Hey, this is Julie Mullins, co-senior pastor here at Christ Fellowship Church right here in South Florida. Whether you're across the street or across the world, thank you for taking time out of your busy week to join us for this message. We hope that it encourages you and inspires you to get more out of life. church. I'm out here in the city of Belle Glade where the soil is rich and the sun is hot. Shout out to everybody at our Belle Glade Christ Fellowship community. We love you. I love what God is doing out here in the Western community and he's doing it through you. Well, as many of you know, Belle Glade is one of the premier agricultural regions, not just for the state of Florida, but in the entire United States of America. Did you know that half of the sugar that we grow in our country is from the state of Florida, and most of it comes from right here in these sugarcane fields out in Belle Glade. But the farmers out here grow more than just sugarcane. They grow all of sorts of vegetables, from, from cabbage and peppers to, to lettuce and, and beans. But probably one of the things they're most famous for is their Belle Glade sweet corn. There's nothing like some fresh corn on the cob from Belle Glade with a little bit of salt butter on that thing. Can you taste it? I'm getting hungry right about now. But the reason things grow so well out here is because of the soil. See, the soil in Belle Glade is, is rich and you can put almost anything in the ground and it's going to grow. <laughs> I heard somebody say you could probably throw a stick in the ground out here and you turn around and there'd be a tree growing, right? But the truth is something has to get into the ground. There is no harvest season without a planting season. If you don't sow it, you're not going to see it. And this principle of sowing and reaping is found all throughout the Word of God, from the words of the prophets in the Old Testament, to the words of Jesus in the Gospels, to the teachings from the Apostle Paul. There is a principle of sowing and reaping that if you can understand this spiritual lesson, it is going to unlock spiritual truth and revelation in your life. If you don't sow it, you're not going to see it. Now the truth is, in our modern day culture, most of us don't think about seeds unless they're in our watermelon or one gets in our water from the lemon wedge and gets stuck in our straw. I hate when that happens, right? But back in the days of the Bible, many people were farmers and they relied on the land to produce a crop. So when Jesus or one of the prophets or the apostle Paul would have talked about sowing and reaping, they would have completely understood what they were saying. When Jesus would tell the parable about a farmer going out to sow his seed in a field, they could picture it. They could get what, they, what he was trying to teach them. Well, today I want us to look at a passage of scripture that we've read before. If you've been around Christ Fellowship for very long at all, you've heard these verses, but I need you to hear them in a whole new light. In fact, what we're gonna talk about over the next couple weeks isn't just about you. It's about your children and your children's children. If you can grasp the truth of this scripture, it just won't set you free. I believe it will have an impact on the generations that you and I won't even meet. This truth is gonna impact generationally how you and your family think and, and live and how your family handles finance. But it's gotta start with you. It just doesn't end with you. The scripture is in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 6. And the Apostle Paul is writing to this group of Christians, just like us, in a town called Corinth. And here's what he says. He says, 
Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously is gonna reap generously. Each one of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have scattered their gifts to the poor and their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Paul starts off this passage by saying, remember this, don't forget it. It's gonna be easy to forget it. Uh, you're gonna have to work to remember it because your tendency is gonna be to hold on to what you've got. But if you don't sow it, you're not gonna see it. And notice it starts off by saying, whoever. Whoever sows sparingly is also gonna reap sparingly and whoever sows generously is also gonna reap generously. Guess what whoever means? Whoever, anybody and everybody can get in on, on this. This is a principle in the word of God. Whoever gets in on the principle gets in on, on the promise. That means each one of us can get in on it today. Doesn't matter if you haven't gotten in on it yet. Doesn't matter if you haven't made wise decisions in the past. Today can be the day that you get in on the principle and you get in on the promise. There are a few truths about this principle of sowing and reaping. The first one is this, you reap what you sow. If you sow some corn, guess what? You're gonna get corn. If you sow some, some beans, you're gonna get some beans. You can't sow corn and expect to walk out into a field and find cabbage. It doesn't work that way. You reap what you sow, which means you and I are living today in the harvest of what we planted yesterday and in the days before yesterday. So if you don't like the field you're standing in, it's time to plant some new seed in the ground because you reap what you sow. The second truth I see in this principle is that you reap where you sow. You can't sow in that field over there and expect to reap a harvest in this field. It doesn't work that way. You, you can't sow all your time at, at, at work and think you're gonna reap a harvest at home, right? You can't give all your energy and all your attention to your job and think you're gonna reap a blessing in your family because you reap where you sow. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't work hard at your job. You should, but you can't put all your seed in that field and expect to reap a harvest at home because you reap where you sow. But the third truth is where I want to land for the next few minutes because Paul is trying to teach us something right here. Right from the beginning, Paul says, whoever sows sparingly is also going to reap sparingly and whoever sows generously will reap how? Generously. So here's what you need to know. You reap in proportion to what you sow. You reap in proportion to what you sow. Now this is completely logical when you think about it because if I go out into a field and I only plant four or five seeds in the ground, at best, I'm only gonna get four or five stalks of corn and it's not gonna feed too many people. But if I go out and I cover this field just with thousands and thousands of, of seed, putting it all over the place, and I can expect that it's gonna produce thousands and thousands of 
stalks of corn because you reap in proportion to what you sow. Whoever sows sparingly is gonna reap sparingly and whoever sows generously is gonna reap generously. We understand that in the physical, but it's also true in the spiritual because this principle of sowing and reaping isn't just a natural law, it's a supernatural law. This applies to every area of our life where you invest your time, what you do with the talents and abilities that God has given you. It's even true that you reap what you sow when it comes to your attitudes or the the words that you speak. You sow negativity and criticism, guess what you're gonna reap? But if you sow encouragement and life-giving words over your family or your marriage or at your job, guess what's coming back to you? Encouragement is coming right back. But here in this passage, Paul isn't talking about our, our talents or our time or even how we treat people. Here in this passage, he's talking about money and giving generously and how God actually loves a cheerful giver. And he's actually challenging them to give an offering. Now, before you get all nervous and uh, worried about where we're going with this, hear me out. A lot of times people get uptight when we talk about money or generosity or giving in the Bible and they think, preacher, you just need to preach from the Bible. Did you know there are more scriptures in the Bible about money and possessions than about faith and prayer and love combined? Yeah, there are are about 500 verses on faith. What faith is, how to grow your faith up. There's about 500 verses on prayer. How to pray, when to pray, what to pray about. But there are over 2,300 verses on money and possessions and generosity. I know, right? And Jesus spent more time talking about money than he did talking about heaven and hell. Didn't he know what was more important? In fact, 25% of all of Jesus's teaching was about money and giving and generosity. Imagine if one out of every four sermons that I preached was about giving. (laughs) You'd probably start looking for a different church, wouldn't you, right? But that's exactly what Jesus did. Why? Why would he spend so much time talking about money and possessions, except that he knows that our possessions have the power to possess us, that what we own can actually own us. I've always said that it's not bad that you got stuff, just make sure that your stuff doesn't have you. And remember what Jesus said in Acts chapter 20. In fact, why don't you say this with me out loud, wherever you are, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Say that again. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Those are the words of Jesus. He's saying your life is gonna be better. You're gonna be happier as a giver instead as a getter. And I believe that if we believe what Jesus said is true, man, you'd be leaning in today saying, come on, Todd, help me get over my fears and my worries and my anxiety about money. And can I tell you as your pastor, I want you to get this. I want you to experience the freedom in this area of your life because so many people are in bondage when it comes to money and what they think money can do for them. And let me just say this, and then we'll get back to this scripture in in Corinthians. Money isn't bad. Money is completely neutral, right? I mean, the Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil, but money itself is, is neutral. What you and I do with it can be good or bad, but more importantly, how you use money says a lot about you. What you and I do with our money 
is a decisive statement about what we value and what kingdom we are actually a part of. And let me also say, as we're jumping into this today, that this isn't about what God wants from you. This is all about what God has for you because God doesn't want your money. He doesn't need your money. Think about it. The streets of heaven are paved with solid gold. So God doesn't need anything, but He does want your heart. And Jesus was the one who said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There is this direct connection between our faith and our finances. And what God wants for you in this area, man, is is freedom, that you're trusting in God to be your source and your provider, that you would find peace of mind when it comes to your money. It was actually um, Billy Graham, the great evangelist that said, if a person gets his attitude towards money straight, it will help straighten out every other area of his life. So back to our scripture here in, in Corinthians chapter nine. It says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, but whoever sows generously, remember he's talking about giving, will reap generously. See, I think the problem is that we don't see giving the same way that God sees giving. We tend to think of giving as as losing. If I take what I have and I give it away, it's gone. That was money that I, I could have used for a car payment or to buy groceries or for my kids' education. And we see it as a loss, but that's not how God sees it. He says, when you sow, you're gonna reap. If I take some seed and sow it in the ground, guess what? It's coming back. And let me let you in on a secret. You always reap more than you sow, right? See, I could take this uh, this ear of corn right here and I could throw it on the grill, put it in a pot of hot water, take it out, put some butter and salt on this thing and eat it up and I'm sure it would taste great. Or I could strip all the kernels off of this ear of corn. And the average ear of corn has approximately 800 kernels on it. So I could take the kernels off. I could go plant all 800 of those seeds of this one corn in a field, water it, wait for it. And this one piece of corn would produce rows and rows of stalks of corn, each producing more and more kernels that when planted would produce thousands and thousands of stalks of corn. This one ear of corn has fields and fields of potential inside of it, but it's got to get planted. If you don't sow it, you'll never see it. Now remember, Paul in this passage is talking about financially giving. When you and I take something as ordinary and as natural as money, and sow it into the supernatural, God does something extraordinary with it. He he takes what we have and he, He uses it to create spiritual homes for people who are spiritually lost, like what we're doing at each of the locations that you're at today. Do you realize that the only reason you're in that building where you're at today, sitting in those chairs, that you're sitting in today, or if you're joining us watching online, all of we have to get everything online is because somebody took what they had and they sowed it into the fertile soil of God's kingdom, into God's field. And God is using it and multiplying it to reach people with the love and the message and the hope of Jesus Christ. Notice here, it says again in verse seven, it says, each person should give what he has decided in his heart 
to give. See, the act of giving comes after the act of deciding. And deciding implies taking time to, to think through what you're going to give and what you're going to sow in the ground. It, it's a thoughtful, prayerful decision. It's not haphazard, you know, when you get around to it. It's not circumstantial, you know, well, if I have enough left over, then maybe I'll sow something into the ground. No, no, no. It is based on a prior commitment that you make after a time of understanding what God's word actually teaches us about giving and generosity. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever taken the time to understand what God's will is about your money? I mean, if God spends so much time talking about money and possessions in this Bible, have you ever taken the time to understand his perspective on money? If you haven't, you ought to jump into one of our Financial Peace University classes. It's an on-demand class online. You can go right online, take the whole class, man, it is gonna set you free. Or join one of our three-week financial change courses that we have going on at our campuses. Listen, we've had over 15,000 people go through these classes and get them some financial peace and begin to understand God's principles when it comes to finances and spending and saving. We've literally had thousands of people pay off all their debt, all their car loans, their school debt, credit card debt, all paid off just by applying what God says in here to their finances. Remember, this is about what God wants for you, not from you. There's so many people right now stressed out about money, have hangups when it comes to money, and God wants to set you free in this area of your life, not being under bondage, but being living in the peace of God. And this scripture says that he wants you to have actually more than enough so that you can share and be generous on every occasion with people. But if you never take the time to understand God's principles of sowing and reaping and what God says about money, you're gonna live your entire life putting your hope and your trust in something that will always let you down. Now look again at this verse. It says, now he who supplies seed for the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Man, we read that part right there and we're like, yes, Lord, man, I want you to increase the storehouse of my seed and enlarge my harvest. Bring it on, Jesus. We like that part, don't we? But we gotta remember that that comes after the sowing. You can't reap what you haven't sown. No farmer would walk out into this field where he has planted no seed and expect to see a harvest. Yet people do that all the time. We don't understand why we're struggling, just barely making it by week to week. Can't figure out why we never seem to get ahead and why we're not experiencing the abundant, more than enough kind of life that Jesus wants to give us. Maybe it's because we haven't put any seed in the ground. Or if we did, we, we, you know, we just, we did it so sparingly, we're like, and now all we got is a little spare change. Now notice it says that God supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. Some of the seed is for sowing and some of it's for eating, bless God, right there, right? Some of it needs to go in the ground, right? And some of it needs to go in the oven. The farmer takes some of what God has given him and uses it for bread, for his own needs and for the needs of his family. But he doesn't eat all the, all, all the seed, does he? No, because um, some of this seed is for sowing. In fact, if a farmer gets down to where there is only just one bag of seed left, he's putting that seed in the ground. That's not going in the oven. He's not gonna leave that in the barn somewhere, right? 
I got to get this in the ground so it can actually produce something. And too many people, when they think they don't have enough, man, they keep it locked up in the barn or in the bank or under the bed, right? They, they think they need to hold on to it for a rainy day. But the truth is it needs to get in the ground so that on that rainy day, it can grow. So let me ask you, where's your seed? Is it on a shelf somewhere? You holding on to it pretty tight? People do all sorts of things with their seed. They drive their seed, <laughs> looking good, right? Uh, they, they wear their seed, right? They eat their seed, using the seed for anything, but putting it in the ground. But listen, if you don't sow it, you're never gonna see it and see what God can do with it. And I'll notice that it says in this passage that God supplies seed for the sower. And this is really important for us to understand. In fact, God woke me up in the middle of the night this week to actually talk to me about this part of this verse. He said, uh, Todd, I want you to know that, that, tell them that I'm the one that supplies the seed. It's my seed. It actually comes from me. Make sure they know where it comes from. Make sure they know who it belongs to. It's, it's my seed that I'm entrusting to them to do the right thing with. See, any seed that you and I have, it, it comes from God. He's the one who created the seed, right? He created everything that you and I have. There's a verse in Psalm 24, one that says this. Once you say it with me out loud, wherever you are, say it. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. The earth is the Lord's. All the trees, all the mountains, all the, all the sugar cane, everything in it belongs to Him. Everything I've got, everything I see, God, God made it all, so it's all His. You've heard me say before that that car you're driving, it's God's because it's made from the metal that came out of God's earth that he formed. Your house or the apartment you live in came from the stone out of the ground or the lumber from, the, from God's trees because he made those trees, right? You didn't make those trees. I didn't make them, right? And those kicks that you're wearing, the leather came from God's cows. Literally everything that we have comes from God. The food that you're gonna eat today you didn't make it grow. You didn't make the rain fall down on it. God did, right? Now I've heard people say, wait a minute, Todd, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I work hard for what I've got. I work hard to pay that house mortgage or pay for that car. I worked hard for that money to buy those groceries at Whole Paycheck. I mean, Whole Foods, right? You know, nobody gave it to me. I did it myself. Really? Is that what you really think? Look at this verse in Deuteronomy 8, 18. It says, but remember the Lord, your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce what? Say it, wealth. Your ability to produce income, wealth, it comes from God, the talents you have, the strength you've got to get out of bed and go to work and run that company, work that farm, come up with a creative idea, close that deal. Guess where it all comes from? It all comes from God. So here it says in this passage that it's God. He's the one who supplies seed for the sower. So the question is, what are you doing with that seed that God gave you? And I wonder if you aren't sowing it, will God keep providing it? Because I believe there's a direct correlation to God's provision and my production. Now hear me on this, I'm not talking about our salvation. We don't do anything to earn our salvation. To be made right with God, that only comes through what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary to pay the penalty for our sin. But when it comes to working out that work of God in our lives, 
when it comes to, to stewarding what God has put in your hands, why would God entrust me with more if I'm not faithful with the little bit he's already given me, right? And all you gotta do is read Matthew chapter 25, the parable of the talents. A talent was a very large sum of money worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it says that a master gave one talent, one sum of money to one servant, two talents of money to a second servant and five talents of money, which would be millions of dollars to the third. It says each according to their ability. So we are trusted with what we can be trusted with. And it says when the master came back from that trip, the one servant who had only had the one talent had hidden the master's money. He had it stuck away in a barn somewhere, hiding out, while the other two went out and worked that thing and doubled the master's investment. So the master took the one talent of money from the lazy servant that was too scared to lose it, hadn't sown it, hadn't worked with it, that had stored it up somewhere. And he gave it to the one who had turned the five talents into 10. And we may look at that and think, why would God do that? Like, that doesn't even seem fair. Listen, God is going to give seed to a sower. So if you ain't sowing, why should he give you any seed? He's not gonna keep on giving more to someone he can't trust. So if you wanna see God do some amazing things in your life, if you wanna see it, you gotta sow it. Some people just put a little bit of seed in the ground. They're afraid they're gonna run out. They're living with a scarcity mindset. And maybe you grew up and money was, money was tight or you heard your parents fighting about money and it made you think, man, I better hold on to what I've got. The problem is it can't reproduce in your hand. It's actually got to get into the ground. Look again at that, at that verse where it says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion or because Pastor Todd is preaching about it today. Hey, for God loves a what? Say it out loud. A cheerful giver, not a tearful giver, not a fearful giver, but a cheerful giver. And I think the reason God loves it when we give cheerfully is because that's the way God gives. God doesn't give to us reluctantly, like, okay, here you go. Probably aren't gonna appreciate it. No, 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 God didn't hold back when he gave us his only son, Jesus. He gave his best to us. And when you and I give cheerfully, whether that's to another person or back to God, we are imitating our Father in heaven. We're looking more and more like our heavenly Father. And then the verse goes on to say, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work, which means that what you give to is gonna matter. It's gonna produce good things for other people. And then he goes on to say, for they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor and say this last part with me out loud, and their righteousness endures forever. Don't miss this part. This is awesome. What you and I are giving to when we sow into the ground of God's kingdom will actually endure forever. Tell me one other thing that you can invest in and it's gonna last forever and ever and ever. I mean, not just while you're alive and not just for the generation that you're gonna pass it off to and hope they don't mess it up. <laughs> I'm talking about forever throughout all eternity. Can I tell you that when Julie and I give financially and sow seed into the things of God, we know it's gonna last forever. Every time that we were able to sacrifice and financially give to be a part of buying an old Target store out in Royal Palm, 
or a, a Dillard store down in Boynton or that building up in Port St. Lucie that's packed out today. We know that it's gonna be proclaiming Jesus long after we're dead and gone, right? Until Jesus comes back. When we give our tithe, which is that first 10% of our income that God says is holy, it's set apart for Him. It has a holy purpose attached to it. When Julie and I give that, and the truth is um, that's probably not even really giving because when you think about it, it already belongs to God, right? But when we give that, when we give special offerings throughout the year, like our Heart for the House offering or our Christ birthday offering that'll be coming up, or when God just lays it on our heart to, to give to someone or to something that He's a part of, we know it's being sown into fertile ground. It's like the bell glade of heaven. Come on, God's gonna do something great and produce a great harvest with it. You know, I think about those of you that sow financially and faithfully every week into God's kingdom, you are sowing into the next generation into thousands of young adults and students and children that every week are learning about the power of the Word of God to build their life upon. We personally sowed into 500 kids that made a decision to follow Jesus this summer at our Christian camps. You personally sowed into 200 high schoolers and middle schoolers that have answered the call into full-time ministry and missions work. Think about it. They're gonna be literally carrying on the preaching of the good news of Jesus Christ around the world. Can I tell you, that's gonna endure forever. That's gonna echo through the halls of heaven. You won't be able to count all the harvest from that seed that you put in the ground. I mean, it's, it's gonna take eternity just to begin to comprehend the impact of that seed that you're putting in the ground. And let me tell you, it's holy. God takes what we give and He uses it on the earth to do His work. It's one of the ways that you and I, we actually get to partner with God. We're sowing into sacred ground. And what we're giving to is making a difference in people's lives. What we're giving to is creating a, a spiritual home for people that are spiritually lost in places like Westlake and, and Boca and Okeechobee. It's also sacred because when we sow, it's an act of surrender. In fact, you, you can't sow unless you're surrendered. If you're not sowing into the things of God, it's probably because this area of your life is not yet surrendered to God. But when we give, man, it's shouts of surrender. God, I, I'm, I'm giving you first place in this area of my life because let me tell you, let me tell you, it takes faith to put seed in the ground. It takes faith for me to take what's in my hand and actually put it into God's hands. So my challenge for each of us today is to be the kind of giver that God is looking for, a cheerful giver, a giver that understands that all we have comes from God, that what he asks us to do is really just give back to him what is already his. And when we do, that's holy. I would challenge you today to ask yourself these two questions. What have you sown lately? And how have you sown lately? What have you sown lately and how have you sown lately? What seed have you put in the ground of God's kingdom and have you sown it sparingly or generously? And if you've been holding back, man, I wanna challenge you to surrender this area to God. Take one step this week, put some seed in the ground and see what God is gonna do with it. You gotta sow it in order to see it. I want us to end our service today just a little bit differently. 
I want us to take a minute to respond to the word of the Lord. And as I've been praying over these past few months about our time of giving and the way we give together on Sundays, I gotta tell you, um, I got a little convicted that we've been rushing through what God calls a very sacred moment in our service. You know, we squeeze it in, maybe tack on a couple of announcements, but in the Bible, the act of giving, man, it was holy, it was sacred. In the Bible, we see worship and giving going hand in hand. That every time God's people came together to worship, they gave an offering. They, they brought something to give to God as an act of worship and, and honor and surrender. And I know that many of us have set up our giving online and, and that's amazing. But as Julie and I were praying, we felt like it was time to bring back a moment in our service around our giving that reminds us of the sacredness of this act of worship. So I'm gonna ask that the ushers and the worship hosts come forward in all of our locations for our time of giving. And I've asked our team to bring back the buckets. See, before the pandemic, we did this every week, right? The ushers would come forward. We would take time to pray over the gifts that we're giving. We'd give back to God. It gave us a cause to pause, to stop in the middle of our worship, to pray and thank God for all that He's given us. I also wanted to bring back the buckets because I wanna make it easier on you to obey God in this area of your life. Sometimes I think we've made it too hard for people trying to take their first steps in this area of giving, having to get on the app or set giving up on their phone, right? You can still give all those ways and they are super convenient, but you can also just use the giving envelopes in the seat back in front of you or just give in the buckets as they are passed. I'm gonna to pray today. I'm gonna to pray for us as a church and for you as a follower of Jesus, that we will be the kind of giver that God is looking for, a cheerful giver. That if you need to better understand what God says in His Word about money and generosity, I'm gonna pray that you would sign up to learn. You'd sign up for one of the classes and grow in this area of your life. And that the seed that we sow together is gonna to produce a spiritual harvest that will not only impact your life, but the lives of generations to come. Would you pray with me today? God, we thank you that every good thing in our life comes from your hand. And today we pause in the middle of this worship service uh, just to say thank you and take some of what you've given to us and sow it back into your kingdom, into the work that you're doing in the lives of people all around us and people that we don't even see. Thank you that we can sow something as ordinary as, as money and watch you do something extraordinary with it. God, I pray that we would each be cheerful givers today, understanding that when we are, we are actually a reflection of you, our heavenly Father, in the way that you give. God, bless these gifts that we give, these seeds that we sow today. Take them and use them for your purpose. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said together, amen. Thank you again for spending time with us today. If you're looking to take a step in discovering the more that God has in store for you, just text the word podcast to the number 441-441 and then select the option that applies to you. And if you enjoyed this message, just make sure that you subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. A special thanks to all of you who so generously give to all that God is calling us to do together. It's really because of you that everything we do is possible. We'll see you right back here for next week's message.